You're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. I want to remind you that if you are in a valley, you're not alone. If you're in a valley, you are not alone. In the book of 1 Kings, we read about the prophet Elijah. Elijah was a powerful prophet of God. And God did incredible things through him during his ministry. His story starts with great faith in, the chapter, uh, in chapter 17. Uh, we're not going to put it up here. I just want to give you some background information. In chapter 17, Elijah proclaims to King Ahab, the king of Israel, As the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. That happened precisely as he said it would. The drought was three years long. And after three years, God sends Elijah back to King Ahab to present himself. And Elijah proceeds to test God's power against 450 prophets of the false god named Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18, causing them to call upon their false gods for provision with their offerings. And uh, I don't have time to read all of these chapters, but you can go home later and and, uh, read this story from chapter 17 on through chapter 19, The Call of Elijah. It's a fantastic uh, word of God. I love it, and I cannot recommend it enough. In fact, I can't recommend this whole thing enough. An old old evangelist friend used to say, uh, I think he was joking, but it's... You know, it's a good joke because it's serious. Uh, he's got a book. <laughs> Amen? He's got, God's got a book. That's a good one. Add it to your reading list for this year. And so in uh, chapter 18, uh, the prophets of Baal were shouting, Baal, answer us. There was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. They were trying to do anything they could to get their false gods to... Perform a miracle for them. And Elijah started to taunt them. He said, shout louder. <clears throat> Surely he is a God. Perhaps, perhaps he's deep in thought. Maybe he's asleep and he needs to be woken up. Or maybe he's traveling or busy. So they shouted louder. Friends, that's Scripture. That's in there. <laughs> After no response, Elijah set up his own offering Now, they're trying to have their offering burned up in fire. He sets up his own offering, and he drenched it in water. If you know anything about uh, starting a fire, you know not to use wet wood. Uh, It's not going to work that well. And if you can get it to work, then I'd really like to talk to you, because I'm not good at starting fire anyways. After no response, Elijah set up his offering, had it drenched in water, and then he called upon God, and God sent down fire from heaven and burned up the offering and all of the water around it. And then Elijah had the prophets of Baal killed and he proclaimed that rain was coming. And then verses 44 through 46, he says, Go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain started falling and King Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, tucked in his shirt. He ran ahead of Ahab all the way 
to Israel. He ran past Ahab's chariot. This man was running fast. And here's where the first part of our focus this morning begins. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll read the first nine verses. They'll be on the screen behind me and up here above my head, wherever it is online. 1 Kings chapter 19. <clears throat> now Ahab, again, king of Israel, Ahab, told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of, the things that, <clears throat> one of the things that strikes me most about this story is that even though Elijah had seen God do incredibly powerful things, he still ran away. He saw God do incredibly powerful miracles in his sight, calling down fire from heaven, burning up the, the, the wet sacrifice. And within moments, or however long it was, uh, uh, he was running. He threw his hands up. He exclaimed, I give up. I've had enough. I can't take it. I can't do this anymore. He literally says, God, kill me. It's really funny because we do know the rest of the story and, and that didn't happen. He was called up in a fiery chariot. This Jezebel makes one threat and decided, Elijah decided that was too much for him. Now, I can't prove it, you can't disprove it, but I'm pretty sure that Elijah had seen more than enough to know. I'm sorry, I'm sure that Elijah had seen more than his fair, fair share of disappointment throughout his, his ministry, throughout his life. He had seen hard times. He had seen... Uh, some instances where maybe things didn't go uh, every which way that it probably should have in his opinion. So he probably understood disappointment. And maybe, just maybe, that he came to this point and he said, this is the last straw that broke the camel's back. 
whatever that means, and I'm done. But see, Elijah is not the only one in Scripture who has had situations like this. Moses, at least twice in the books of Numbers and Exodus, said similar. Jonah, <clears throat> of course, Jonah famously ran away from God. And maybe, maybe someone in here today or someone watching online or listening to this later on throughout the week, maybe someone listening is thinking today that you're one disappointment away, one struggle away, one circumstance away from giving up. Maybe someone is listening today, this Sunday morning, thinking that maybe I'm going to give God one more chance. I'm going to give church one more chance. I'm going to give one more chance to Jesus because I just don't see it. Maybe. Maybe you're carrying your disappointments and your discouragements and it's too much for you to bear. Well, the truth is, it is too much for you to bear. If you've ever carried a backpack full of stuff, especially in high school, and you have all of those books and you forget that you have a locker, you know that it's pretty heavy. And you don't want to carry that around all day. And we know, friend, you and I know how heavy it is to carry our disappointments, our discouragements, our struggles, all of our stresses and the situations that we deal with in life. It's heavy. When you stack it all on top of each other, it gets heavy. Doesn't it? And so maybe you're listening and you're thinking it's too much to bear and you're done. And I want to give you encouragement today. You are absolutely not alone. In your discouragement, you are not alone. In your disappointments, you are not alone. In the valley, you are not alone. I shared just two weeks ago about the prophet, sorry, not the prophet, the practice of lament. And in so many words, a little recap, uh, my, my, in so many words, lament is a prayer language of dealing with your discouragement, disappointment, this language of prayer, this conversation of prayer with God. And so let's be honest. If you've lived long enough on this earth to know that all of us have hurt. All of us have been disappointed. All of us have experienced failure in one way, shape, or form. And maybe, just maybe, we have questioned whether or not this faith is even worth it. And I want you to know today, I want you to know today that it's okay to not have all of the answers. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to, to admit that you don't have it all together. It's okay to not be okay because the Bible is filled with godly men and women who had all of the above, but they were faithful to the end. And the most important thing, your discouragement, your fear, all of it, your doubts, your questions, your brokenness, the most important thing, friend, is to take that to the Lord. Let's continue on. Verses 9 through 18. Well, verses 10 through 18. 
So Elijah went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with a sword. And I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Have you been there? The Lord said, Go out. Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, earthquake came a fire. The Lord wasn't in the fire either. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. One of Wesley's commentaries said that this was not so much a whisper that you can hear, but just this silence that you understand. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They tore down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus when you get there. Anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Saphat from Abel Maholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. And now here's a good response to Elijah's statement. Verse 18. Yet, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. (sighs) Elijah had seen God do incredible things. He had witnessed with his own eyes the miracles of the Lord God Almighty. And maybe, I'm I'm only speculating here because the Scripture doesn't say it, but maybe Elijah had come to expect God to move in only the big and the mighty ways because of that. Maybe for us, we also can come to a point where we are only looking for God in the big ways. We're only looking for God in the the big, the the earthquake, the mountains shaking, 
the fire, the great wind. Maybe we're looking for God in the big and the mighty. And we can forget that sometimes God moves and speaks in the small, in the stillness, in the gentle whisper, in the quiet. Maybe even when we least expect it. Friend, what I read from this experience on the mountain is that when we take the time to quiet ourselves, shift our focus back to the Lord, we can better position ourselves to hear and to experience His presence. We can't always define the ways that God comes to us. We can't. We can't we can, we can look and we can search for signs from God and we can even ask God to do big signs and big miracles and to, 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 to present Himself in these big and these mighty ways. But God will encounter us the way that God wants to encounter us. Amen? God will move the way that He moves. He said, I am who I am. I will move. He will move in the way that He wills to move. After His fleeing, Elijah desperately needed these moments with God. After his fear had driven him to the very point of giving up. And see, if we only look for God in the big and the extravagant ways, we can forget that God is also present in the small and even, dare I say, mundane. The little things of life. And so, what are you doing here? Elijah is here wallowing in his fear and he has become inactive. But God, when I read this passage, I don't read this passage and this statement, or sorry, this question of condemnation. I read as this loving Father. What are you doing here, Elijah? And I find that God does a few things in this passage. The first thing, God provides for Elijah's needs. He says, I am with you. Even when Elijah had run off even when Elijah had lost sight of God and focused on his own problems to the point of giving up, to the point of saying, God, kill me. And God didn't accuse Elijah. He didn't condemn Elijah. He loved him. He loved him enough to provide for his very needs, the most simple and basic needs, a nap and something to eat. God's provision is telling Elijah that he is not alone. That he is with him. Even in the midst of the valley, I am with you. Even in the earthquake, in the wind, in the fire, I am with you. That may not be my sign, but guess what? I am with you. I am present with you. And of course, we know the, the, the rest of the story of Scripture. We, we know the rest of the story of Scripture, the the Trinity, the, 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 the greatness of Jesus' resurrection, of how now we have the, count, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, 
always present. Second thing. First thing, he says, I am with you. Second thing, he says, you're not alone. Even though Elijah twice answered God's question by saying he was the only one left who loved God. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? That even after all of that, Elijah still comes back with the same response to the Lord. Nonetheless, Elijah thinks he's all alone. He's the only one who loves God and believes God the way that he knows God is. And God told Elijah, there's at least seven others in Israel. You're not alone. There's at least 7,000 others. They haven't bowed down to this false god. It may look like it may look like that Many people who once loved or even say that they love God is holding up another in idolatry or left the faith altogether. But God reminded him that the community of God is strong and that he is not alone. Friend, you and I, we live in a big country. And we know there's a lot of Christians in this country. But this is a much bigger world. And there are people all across the world. There are areas all across the world where God is moving in mighty ways, where the church is rising up, where the church is going and growing, and the name of Jesus is being proclaimed through the ends of the earth. There may be days where you think, be the only one you're not take heart you're not and he says the same to Elijah there's Elijah there's at least 7,000 others in Israel now I'm not talking about over there I'm or I'm talking about Israel right here where you're at there's at least 7,000 others Elijah you're not alone and so number three he says you're not done even though Elijah had seen enough, even though Elijah had gone through the valley and believed that he was done, he asked God to let him go. He asked God to kill him. And God answered this request by doing everything that I've already mentioned. And he set him back on the path. He picked him up and he put him back on the path. God said, I still have work for you to do, Elijah. I'm not done. Elijah, you're not done yet. One thing I've, I've often wondered about this passage is whether or not Elijah's actions of running away changed things. I know in, in, in my heart of hearts that God's best intentions for Elijah surely wasn't for him to run away at the sight or at the sound of a threat. I don't believe that God intended for Elijah to run away and to get to this point of giving up. But God did not forsake Elijah. And I've even thought that maybe, just maybe, this change of scenery, even though not God's intention, was just what Elijah needed to go through in order to get a new and a fresh glimpse of God. 
to get to the point where he is seeing God, experiencing God, not just in the big fire from heaven sized ways, not just in the I'm not going to bring rain on the earth for three years sized ways, but in the quiet, in the stillness, in the small moments. Maybe you, friend, in here, friend out there, maybe you're also there. Thinking, maybe it's just time to give up. Whether it be on faith, on life, on whatever. Maybe the valley has been too much for you. But friend, I believe it with everything that I am. As long as we have breath... As long as we have breath in our lungs, God is not done with us. Not by a long shot. As long as you have breath in your lungs, God is faithful. God is true. God loves you. And He wants to use you for incredible things. I believe it with everything that I am. Elijah needed this rest needed this time with God to get back on the right path. Sometimes we need to push ourselves to get up even in the midst of the valley and just keep pushing forward because God is faithful. And God will do it. God will strengthen us. Did you know that in your prayer you can ask for things like that? You can ask for strength. You can ask for wisdom to understand. You can ask for faith. Remember in in, in the New Testament, he he said, Lord, I believe. Forgive my unbelief. I can't, friend, I cannot answer fully how to best hear from God in these specific ways. But I can. I can't tell you that there's just one specific way. And that's a question that a lot of us in the faith have had for generations and thousands of years. How can I too hear the voice of God? But I can tell you that one of the most underutilized spiritual disciplines is where I believe that God really speaks to us. He's got a book. This is where we can find wisdom of God and learn. This is where we can hear from God in the the stories of old, in the words of the prophets, in the words of Jesus, in the words of the apostles. We can hear from God. We can glean from God what God may be wanting to do in our life could come from here. If we only listen. If we only listen. And sometimes in our prayers, oh my goodness, I confess, I am terrible. I am terrible at just listening. I just want to talk, you know? I just want to talk. My prayer journal is full of just, I'm just talking. I can't really write down listening. I just got a bunch of blank lines. But, but we have we can get into this habit of, of just spouting it off and just, just talking and, and getting it all out there. 
which is great. Absolutely do it 100%. Tell God your every need, want, everything. Talk to God. But even as we come to this passage and this reminder of after the wind, after the earthquake, after the fire, there was this gentle whisper. Again, this, one of West, John Wesley's commentaries stated that it was less of an audible whisper and more of a silence. This understood silence. And sometimes we just need to stop and listen. Maybe there are situations in your life you're waiting for God to move. Maybe, friend, you've been faithful and you've stood firm. And maybe in your faithfulness you still don't know what is that next step, Lord? I think of this platform up here. If you can see it, it's just one step and then platform. You go from floor to step to platform and then you're walking and it's all the same step. Friend, I believe that, that oftentimes God will put us on that step and we just need to be faithful in that step. We can't always see what the next step holds. We can't see what the future holds. We can't even see sometimes just the next step. And even if we don't know what's next, what is this five-year plan you've got for me, Lord? Y'all, I'm not much of a planner. I'm, I'm really not good at... I'm good at planning when I do it, but I just don't plan. All right? I'll just say that. I don't plan. I like to just wing it sometimes. But if you told me, uh, for example, if you told me something about my life five years from now, and you say, this is going to be the end goal. It's going to happen. I guarantee it. If you told me that, I would probably say, wow, okay. Well, at least I know what's going to happen, and I feel good about that. Even if it's not great, okay, I know what's going to happen. I, I, I often tell people, uh, if they try to make plans with me, um, friends or, or even colleagues, I say, well, put it on the calendar, because one of my good friends, uh, a realtor, um, said, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. And I'm taking that with me to all my planning. But we can't always see what God is going to do next. We can't. If God showed me everything that was going to happen, even though some things I would really like to know, right? I'd like to know what's going to happen. If God showed me everything that was going to happen between now and the day that I pass from this place, I would probably be terrified. A year ago, right? First of January, 2020. It's going to be a great year. We had no idea what we were stepping into. Nonetheless, friends, if you're waiting for God to move, if you're waiting to hear from God, if you're waiting on the Lord, please know and please 
please trust that even in the valley, God is faithful. Even in the midst of chaos, God is present. Even. And I say this with care. Even when it seems like all hell has broken loose, God has not left. God has not forsaken us. Amen? So friend, I want to encourage you today. Don't let the circumstances of life steal the joy of the Lord. Don't let the valley take you so low as to the point of just giving up. Friend, if you just hold on, I can't tell you when God's going to move. I can't tell you when He's going to do it. But I know because I've seen with my own eyes in my own short life that if He's done it before, friend, He will do it again. If God has moved once, He's going to move again. We can believe it. But even if God does not do any other thing for us, He's already blessed me more than I could have ever imagined and 100% more than I could have ever deserved. And the beauty, friend, the beauty of His grace is that that is His undeserved favor. Right? The grace of God is the undeserved favor. We could not earn it. Our past self could not earn it. Our future self could not earn it. Our self today cannot earn the grace of God. And we cannot repay it. Friends, that grace is a gift. And he asks us in return, just give me your life. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Every word of the prophets, all of the laws, the Old Testament, the New Testament, all of it comes down to these two. And Pastor Brent mentioned it last week. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And friend, even in the waiting, even when it's hard, we need to push forward with these two things. Love God. Love neighbor. Love with an open hand. Love with an open hand. Friend, would you stand? Would you bow your heads as we just get ready to close in, in a word of prayer? I want to remind you, I want to say this again. You're not always going to be okay. You're not always going to have it all together. You're not always going to have all of the answers, friends, and you're going to have questions, and you're going to have doubts. But friend, I beg you, Wait on the Lord. I believe with all of my heart that even when we can't see the next step, even when we 
feel we can't hear what God is saying and we can't see what God is doing, I believe with all of my heart because I love Jesus that He is still faithful and He's still good and He ain't done with you, friend. So maybe you're like Elijah today and maybe maybe you are just one step away and you think, I, I just can't do it anymore, Lord. I can't do it. Friend, if that's you, I know that the Lord is faithful. I know that the Lord is good and that the Lord is going to go with you wherever you go. As He was with Elijah in the valley upon the mountain, God is going to be with you every step of the way. Friend, I believe it with all of my heart with all of my soul that God is good and He is faithful. And that Jesus, the Son of God, is truly the best gift we could have ever been given. That even in this life as we're disappointed and things just do not go our way, I still know and believe that Jesus is going to move. He already did. He gave His life so that I could have life to the fullest. And i got to remember, Lord, help me remember that even in the darkest of days, that is enough. So friend, if you're in the valley, He's faithful. If you're waiting on the Lord, keep holding on. Because He is good, and He is faithful, and He is true. And if He's done it before, friend, I believe that He's going to do it again. He loves you with an immeasurable love. Even when you can't feel it, even when you can't hear it. He's there. God doesn't look at us and call us a failure. God doesn't look down on us and tell us that we're no good, that we need to give up. God doesn't look at us and tell us that our sins are too bad for Him to forgive. Instead, God looks at us with love and He just asks us to come to Him and rest. All who are weary and carry heavy burdens, come to Me and I'll give you rest. So Father, we're here this morning. I'm grateful, Lord, for the story of Elijah that we've read today in 1 Kings that, that even in this midst, I'm still trying to figure it out, Lord. That Elijah just runs away and yet You're still there. You're still with him. You're still faithful. And You're still putting him on the path to the next step. So Lord, as we go out into the world this week, in all of the places that we're going to go, all the people that we're going to encounter, God, will You help us to have this goal in mind to be Your hands and feet. To love You with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Lord, we... 
I just want to give you thanks for your grace, for that undeserved grace. And we say, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love Jesus. Lord, give us joy, peace, grace. Strength for the joy. Strength for the journey. Lord, thank You. Thank You. We give You praise in the precious and in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Friends, go in peace. May the grace of God be with you. Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.